Good morning. Um, as uh, Thad said, we're going to be looking at anger and anxiety, which are emotions that everybody in this room has experienced and felt. We all know how, con- how destructive anxiety and anger can be. And uh, what we all want as human beings is we want a sense of peace and security that can't be shaken or taken away regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what's going on in our lives. But that kind of peace and security is, is very hard to come by. And yet we want it. Uh, we don't want to be living in a constant sense of worry and stress. We don't want anger to erupt and burn down relationships and mess up our lives. Uh, but we deal with it. <clears throat> this series is called Streams of Thought, where we're learning how to stream our thoughts from the scriptures, to begin to see things the way God sees them. Because if you begin to see things the way God sees them, and you begin to uh, think the way God thinks, it begins to transform you from the inside out. Your feelings change, your desires change, and your life can change. And that's possible in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, under the rule and reign of Christ. And we learn how to do that, step by step. We learn how to take what he teaches, we learn how to obey it and apply it in our lives. And then his peace and his, uh, the security he can provide begins to flow into our lives. That's what we want. And so we're going to be talking about anger and anxiety. We're going to be talking about alternative means of getting peace and security and how we can receive from the Lord himself the security and peace uh, that, that isn't shakable by circumstances. So anxiety and anger. Everybody's experienced it. I don't need us to raise our hands. Uh, anger is a very natural thing. When your will is crossed, when something blocks your goals, you feel angry. Angry is not bad. Angry is not a sin. Angry is normal. It's a fire. It's a heat. It's an energy that gives you the ability to push past the obstacle to your will. If you're outside cutting down a tree, you're swinging the axe, you swing as hard as you can, nothing happens, you start feeling angry, it gives you energy, you swing harder, the tree comes down. That's uh, maybe a bad example, but that's the idea. Energy is a fire, it's it's a heat, and it's not itself bad. But what often happens is, in my anger, when someone blocks my goals, I very quickly get into malice and contempt which is I start to disrespect and devalue this person. I start to attack this person. And it all of a sudden becomes about me hurting them so I can get them out of my way and get what I want. And that's where anger goes wrong. And so anger can be a very common experience, very common emotion. Anxiety is another common emotion. If you turned anxiety into an equation, uh, it would be powerlessness times uncertainty. The more uncertain you are about the future, the more you're not sure what you need to have happen is going to happen, the more anxious you feel. And the more powerless you feel, the more anxious you feel. And the problem is in our lives, there's, there's a lot of things in our lives that we don't have the power to control. We really are powerless. And there are a lot of things we're just not going to know. Like when you face force in your life, like do I head that way or do I head that way? You're not going to be certain what the outcome is going to be. And so it just seems like anxiety and anger are just going to be emotions that we just have to deal with. But the problem is, is they steal our joy. And God doesn't want us to be subject to our circumstances. He doesn't want us to be ruled by our emotions. He actually wants to give us the ability to get a hold of those emotions by getting a hold of those thoughts. And to actually experience peace and security that is unshakable. And so what we're going to be looking at next is uh, a variety of alternatives to give us peace and security. And we call these gospels. You've probably heard the phrase gospel before. And what a gospel is, is it's a royal proclamation. When there's a new king in town, the gospel of that king goes out. It's the good news. There's a new king in town, and he has his new kingdom that he's establishing. 
And if you will trust this king and obey this king and love this king and be loyal to this king, then you will experience peace and security in his kingdom. And so in the, the time of, uh, of, of the first century, it was the gospel of Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus defeated his enemies. He came to power. He took over Rome. And the gospel of Caesar went out. And people were proclaiming the good news that there's a new king in town, Caesar Augustus. They put it on the coins. They put it on the money. Caesar is Lord. Worship him. So they set up temples all around the Roman Empire. Every major city had a temple devoted to the Caesar. It was a uh, imperial cult where you would worship Caesar as a god. And the promise was if Rome spread out and their empire spread out and the rule of this king, Caesar, the good news about his rule and reign spread out around the world, there'd be peace and security for everybody. But of course, that isn't true. The average Roman citizen's life was anything but peaceful and secure. Anxiety, anger, fear, worry, stress, that's just a normal part of their lives. At any time, famine could come through and wipe people out. There were constant wars going on where the the emperor, the king, was sucking up their sons and sending them off to foreign fields to fight and die. There were, there were all sorts of corrupt political leaders in this kingdom of Caesar that you had to bribe that could hurt you. And then on top of all of that, these people lived in constant fear that they were going to anger the gods and that there were all these gods that were mad at them. If they didn't make the right sacrifices and if they didn't play their cards right, well, then, boom, they're going to get it. There wasn't peace and security. And so that gospel is a counterfeit gospel. In more recent times, we believed all sorts of other gospel, other proclamations about how we should establish this, uh, this kingdom of peace and security. So in more recent times, we trusted in gospels of progress and science and technology. If you just go to school and study hard and use your reason and learn all the science and technology the human race has, then you can have peace and security in this world. If we would just give ourselves wholeheartedly to science then we would have plenty of food, there'd be no more war, no more need to steal, it would be this utopia. And unfortunately, people who believed in that gospel of progress, they lost all their hope at the end of World War I. Because after World War I, we, we saw that we used all our technology and all of our weapons uh, to hurt ourselves, to kill ourselves. It's not that we don't need science and technology, we do, it's just they're not going to give us this heaven on earth that we want, this place of peace and security. And so that gospel is counterfeit. We, we begin to put our confidence in economic gospels, guys like Karl Marx. He said, if you just organize society economically my way, if you just establish the kingdom of Karl, the kingdom of communism on earth, if you just put my teachings into practice, if you trust me and organize yourself politically and economically, then there'd be abundance, then there'd be peace, and then there'd be security. A lot of people believe this. They established these little communist kingdoms, believing in this communist gospel. They really did. And if you know anything about the 20th century, it's the bloodiest century of all time. That's a counterfeit gospel. And people don't get the peace and security that they're promised in these kingdoms. Today we have a therapeutic gospel. And you mostly see it on college campuses. You see it in high schools and middle schools and elementary schools. And the therapeutic gospel, the reason why we're starting to turn to this gospel is we've never had more stuff. We've never had more technology. We've never had more food. We've never had more information. We've never really had as much material abundance as we have today as a society. And yet all sorts of young people are reporting record high levels of stress, anxiety, anger, suicidal thoughts. We quite, can't quite figure out why that is. And so what we've done is we begin to think, well, maybe there's something going on internally. Maybe there's something going on psychologically. 
And so what we've done is we've turned now to our psychological teachers to give us a new gospel that can give us peace and security. And so when you go to colleges nowadays, you see things called safe spaces that are on college campuses. These are geographic places on campus where administrations have created a safe space where students can be protected from ideas and images and thoughts and people that can trigger them. And that's the word, trigger. And so our message series is called Triggered. And, you know, we know what triggered means. If, if you say that person really set me off or that person really makes me mad, that's kind of the idea. But, but triggered, as it's used today, means to cause intense or usually negative emotional reactions in someone. Someone else is causing an intense emotional reaction in me. And in this, this new kind of therapeutic gospel, the picture of human beings is that they are really victims of other people's actions, that their emotions are not really within their control. And so now we have trigger warnings on syllabuses that say, warning, when you take this course, there's going to be ideas and images and texts that may trigger you and set you off. And if you feel that way, you can go to the safe space where you'll be protected, where you'll have peace and security. Now, before we think it's stupid, it really is considerate in one sense. We don't want to offend people unnecessarily. And there are people who have truly gone through some traumatic things. And it's not wrong to say, hey, we're going to be talking about some things today that might upset you. But what's really going on is we're creating these little kingdoms on college campuses where groups of people are learning that the only way they can protect themselves from anger and anxiety and worry and stress is to control other people. And when you create a safe space where only your ideas and people who think like you are allowed to be, it actually creates conflict. Because what if somebody you don't like comes in? What happens to your peace and security then? Like recently at the University of Missouri. Check this out. This was a safe space on campus not too long ago. No, I didn't. He's in San Diego. I made it. Can I talk to you? No, you need no. to get out. Well, you need to get out. No, I don't. You need to get out. I actually don't. All right. Hey, who wants to help me get this reporter out of here? I need some muscle over here. Whoa. Not so peaceful. It's my right to walk forward. That's what they said as they were walking. Now, what this was, was there was a school photographer who wanted to come into the safe space and take pictures for the school newspaper. And they didn't want the photographers there. And so there's this clash. Now, again, it's not wrong to consider people. But when you start to think that your emotions are outside of your control and that they can be triggered by other people, then the only way you're ever going to feel peace and safe is if you control other people. Now, obviously, that's not going to work. My point is... There's lots of counterfeit gospels. 
There's lots of proclamations of systems and rulers and ideas. And if you just submit yourself to this teaching, submit yourself to this regime, submit yourself to this discipline, then you'll get security and peace. And that those those gospels are all counterfeit. And into this world of counterfeit gospels comes Jesus Christ. And he's actually proclaiming a different gospel. Jesus Christ is saying that if you want to have heaven on earth, then you need to have the king of heaven on earth. If you want to have peace and security, then you need to come into the kingdom of God. If you come into God's kingdom through me, the king, then you can have peace and security. I will give you peace. I will give you rest. I will protect you. I will direct you. These are big promises. And you can test them by taking what he says and obeying what he says and putting your trust and confidence in him, just like you would do with the king, and you will see him come through for you. You will know in your own life the truth that he really is here with us, that he really does love you, that he really will take care of you if you will come into his kingdom by trusting him, by obeying him, by giving your loyalty and devotion to him. And so when Jesus showed up on the scene 2,000 years ago, he went around the backwater of the Roman Empire, which was the nation of Israel at the time, and he was preaching this. He said, the time is fulfilled. It's time. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, turn around, change your thinking, stop chasing after these other gospels and turn into my kingdom and believe in the gospel, believe in my proclamation. Now, when Jesus began to do this, people began to come to him and come into the kingdom of God and put their trust in him. And he healed these people and he made the the blind see and the lame walk. And he he taught them about how much God loved them. And he was gracious and kind to them. And these people were drawn to him. And so very quickly, he came against the Roman powers. The Roman powers did not want another king and another kingdom growing inside of the kingdom of Caesar Augustus. And so they arrested Jesus. And they said, all you people who are following Jesus, this is what happens to people with rival kingdoms. And so we have a photo here of uh, Jesus standing before Pontius Pilate, who was the representative of Caesar Augustus. And here you have these two kingdoms at war with one another. These two kings, Caesar Augustus promising peace and security, and Jesus Christ promising peace and security. And they executed Christ. They executed Jesus. And they're like, that's it, see? This is what happens to this kingdom. It's done. We've ended his kingdom. And then three days later, he rose from the dead. That event is the rock upon which our faith is built. He, he, He rose from the dead. He conquered death. They thought they had ended his kingdom, and he showed that not even death could end his kingdom. He is alive, and he is available, and his kingdom is open to us. And we can come into the kingdom of God where we will receive the protection and direction and love and provision of the king, Jesus, if we will trust and obey him and follow him step by step as best as we can. Then the peace and the security that we want, instead of the anger and the anxiety that we have, will be ours. That's the way it works. And so how do you experience that? Okay, fine. I, I grew up in the church, or I have this general Christian background, like me. My background was Catholic. Uh, my mom taught me to pray. I didn't know much about Jesus, but I had a sense that, you know, he was important. <laughs> I went to a Christian college. I had to go all these Christian classes. I was told all these things about Jesus. Pretty soon I understood who he was, what he was claiming. 
And it got to a point in my life where I believed that he really was the one who could bring my life together. And I called on him the first time in 2001 by myself in my dorm room. And I said, save me, help me. And so I turned into his kingdom for the first time. I put my confidence and faith in him in the first, for the first time. And I began to walk in to the kingdom. And I began to learn from him how to live my life. And things were, got, they were getting better. So how do you, if you decide to come into the kingdom, you follow Christ, how do you receive that peace? Because many of you today, maybe you're Christians and you've been a Christian a long time, but you really struggle with stress and anxiety and fear or maybe anger. So how do you receive this peace and security? How do you break free from anxiety? Well, for that, we're going to look at one of Jesus's followers, Paul. Now, if you don't know about Paul, Paul was a, was a follower of Christ. He, Jesus sent him out around the Roman Empire to proclaim the gospel, the good news of a new king, and to, to open up the kingdom of God to anybody who wanted to come in and follow Jesus. And he was in prison at one point, having started churches all around the Mediterranean Ocean. He's in prison. He's locked up. He's definitely feeling anxious because all the people that he loves and he's been trying to help are now being attacked. They're being persecuted. These churches are being slandered. Their property is being taken. If I was Paul, I would feel anxious and I would feel angry, but he doesn't. He feels peaceful. He feels confident. He has the sense of security. How? How does he have it? And so he tells us in Philippians 4, 4 through 7, and that's what we're going to look at for the rest of our time. So here it is. I'm going to read the passage and then we're going to break it apart. First of all, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Delight, take pleasure in him. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit, your gracious unselfishness, mercy, tolerance, and patience be known to all people. The Lord is near you. Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, in every circumstance, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. And then the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ, that peace is yours. You want to be free from anxiety. You want to be able to take over that anger and have that sense of peace and and confidence and security that is found in the kingdom of Christ under the, the rule of Christ. And so the first step we have to take if we want to experience peace and security is regularly rejoicing. We have to regularly rejoice. Now, what do you rejoice in? What makes you happy? What's your happy place? You know, is it a great meal? Is it music? Do you love sports and entertainment? Where do you find your sense of joy? These are all good gifts, but when we start to to rejoice in the giver of these gifts, when we get to know the Lord Jesus himself and we begin to rejoice in him, then there's this pervasive joy in our lives. Now, what's there to rejoice in? Well, first of all, mercy. The king, Jesus, is merciful. As I think about who he is, I think about all the mistakes and all the sins and all the horrible things I've done in my life. And when I look at him, I instantly feel this sense of, uh, I gotta clean myself up, uh, but I don't have to, because he's merciful, because he has forgiven me of my sins, because I'm starting new with him. And that gives me a sense of joy when I feel guilty. And when I feel weak, he's strong. If you spend some time reading the first four books of the New Testament, the eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus, you will see how much power this guy's got. And when I feel powerless over my circumstances, which is, again, part of anxiety is feeling powerless. When I feel powerless, but I think about the power of Christ, who this person is, it makes me smile. It's like having a really big brother who's strong when you're a little kid facing a bully. You rejoice in your big brother. 
He's so strong. He's going to take care of you. It's not unlike that as a Christian to think about who the king is. That gives me joy. He's generous. I look back on my life and I've seen the places where God has provided for me. And I have joy as I think back on his generosity. And you know what it is? When you become a citizen in the kingdom of Christ, when you start to follow Jesus and you enter his kingdom and you, begin, you, you are under his rule and his direction, he makes you a child of God. A, girl, a, a daughter and a son of God. And God is now taking personal responsibility for your life. And God will direct you. Much of the anxiety we feel is we don't know which way to go. And we now have access to God. And he will direct us when we don't know where to go. God, a good father, protects you. And when you're feeling afraid, when you feel like, you know, you don't know how you're going to get your security, your father will protect you. He'll provide for you. In my life, my wife and I, our lives, there have been so many situations where we didn't have the money we needed, the energy we needed. We needed things we didn't have. We were powerlessness to make it happen. And we spoke to the Lord and asked him to provide it. And he did. And that gives you joy. So as you rejoice regularly, you can culminate this rejoicing in singing. Singing is a great way to rejoice. And uh, I have a playlist of songs, kind of like the songs we're singing today. And these songs remind me of who God is and what God has done. And they fill my heart with joy. I, 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 I can start off a day stressed out in my car. And as I'm driving to work, I'm listening to these songs. I'm singing these songs. It really lifts me up. And this is regular rejoicing. In fact, Paul was in prison in Philippi, which is the place he's writing this letter to. And in the middle of the night, when the jailer came in, Paul and his companion were singing songs. They were rejoicing. So regular rejoicing is the key. It's part of the key to have peace and security at all times. The second thing is you have to retreat to the right safe space. You've got to retreat to the right safe space. Now, safe spaces are actually what we really need. We need a safe space. We need a place we can go where we do feel safe. Right? When you're a child, it's your parents. You call out to them when you have a nightmare, and they come, and they make you feel safe. So what's your safe space? Is it your bank account? When you look at your bank account, as long as you have enough money, you feel safe. Is it a relationship with a certain person? If you just have this relationship and this relationship is good, you're safe. But there's all sorts of places we can look to to find security. But the right safe space is in the presence of the king. And that's why Paul says, the Lord is near. Rejoice always, I will say it again, rejoice, the Lord is near. And what that means is, is that the Lord Jesus is available to you at all times. And at any time, you can come into the presence of the king. You can simply turn your mind toward Christ and say, Lord Jesus, he's with you. See, safe spaces are not about what you have. They're about who you're with. Safe spaces are about who you're with. Imagine that you're in some war-torn African country, and it's the middle of the night, and you're in the middle of the poorest part of the, the, the city, and it's super dangerous. There's all these dangerous characters, and you're walking down the street. How are you feeling? Super anxious. Now imagine the same situation, but you're with a general who has several tanks and several thousand soldiers, and they're encircling you as you walk down the same street. How are you feeling? You're not anxious because it's all about who you're with. Imagine you're at a diner. Somebody runs up and says, hey, give me all the money you have. You're like, no, I need my money. He's like, no, but here's my situation. I, 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 and you're like, that's a, that's a really great situation, but I need my money too. You're not going to give away your resources. You need your resources. But now imagine the same situation with your Uncle Bill, Bill Gates. Right? He's taking you out to breakfast. And this guy's asking you for money, and you look over at Uncle Bill, and he's like, give it to him. Give it to him. You're like, all right. Take out your wallet. Give it to the guy. Why? Because Bill Gates is your uncle, and he's got plenty of money. And if you need more money, Bill will take care of it. It's about who you're with. 
Now, the deal is this. When you become a part of the kingdom of God, you have access to the king at all times. And this king is rich. This king is powerful. This king is wise. This king is in control, which means at any time you can run into the presence of the king and say, Lord Jesus, I am so stressed out right now. And he is giving you his attention and he will help you. And his resources are unlimited. And so if you're with him, you're safe. This world is a perfectly safe place to be, no matter what, if you're with the king. That's the key. And so in Psalm 23, David, who was one of the the great kings of Israel, he wrote this really beautiful psalm. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul because he's shepherding me. And then later on in the psalm, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I go through some really bad things, I will fear no evil. Why? And the next verse is, because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. One of the reasons why Paul wasn't anxious and angry in that cell is because the Lord is with him. And he knows that God has got it. He's taking control. He's The things that are important in Paul's life, the Lord knows about them. And at any time, he can go into the presence of the Lord and speak to him about the things that are making him anxious and afraid. So the next thing is we can do is we can retool our triggers. Anger and anxiety are normal. We really can be triggered. People, look, you know, if you have kids, if you're married, if you have coworkers, people can say things that set you off. They really can trigger you, so to speak. But you can retool those triggers. You can use those triggers that the anxiety and the anger can become all of a sudden almost like an alarm bell that that you use to do something differently now. Whereas you used to erupt in anger or stuff in anger or worry and stew in anxiety. Now you turn your anger and your anxiety into asking. That's how you have to retool your trigger. You have to turn anger and anxiety into asking. Whenever you're feeling anxious, whenever you're feeling angry, this is now a trigger for you to ask the king who is always with you because you are in his kingdom. Ask him to help you. And so Paul says, don't be worried about anything, but in everything, in every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your requests known to God. So my wife and I, when we first got married, we had enough paycheck for 11 months out of 12 months. Every single year for about seven years. Always felt anxious. And in the beginning, real anxious. But as time went on and I learned to walk with the Lord Jesus, and I began to put my confidence in him, I began to turn that anxiety into asking. I don't know how you can provide. You provided last year. Would you provide again? And each time the thought came up, as we got closer to that last month, and the anxiety came up, I would ask. And each year he provided. There have been times where I couldn't sleep. And it's three in the morning, and i got to get up in just a little bit. And I'm stressed out. And I'd pray, Lord, help me sleep. And he didn't. Then I got up and I'm exhausted. And I said, Lord, give me the energy I need for today. And he did. And then I would have another night where I couldn't sleep. And I remembered how even when I couldn't sleep, he gave me the energy I needed. And my anxiety went down. Because I know he's going to take care of me. Our kids, they get stressed out all the time. And oftentimes we tell them, hey, 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 I'm going to take good care of you. I'm going to take care of you. That's a, that's a phrase we say all the time. I'm going to take care of you because their anxiety is really a statement of who's taking care of me. And the answer is the Lord Jesus is taking care of you. When you become a part of his kingdom, your peace and your security, that's his business. And he loves you and he will take care of you. 
So you can turn your anxiety and anger into asking. Let's keep going to the next point. The next point is we can cut people slack. Paul says, let your gentle spirit, your graciousness, your unselfishness, your mercy, your tolerance and patience be known to all. You know why you don't have to blow up at people and get really angry at people is because you're taken care of. If someone's taking good care of you, if the Lord is your shepherd and he's keeping you well fed and he's keeping you well watered and he's lying you down in green pastures and he's restoring your soul, you're good. Yeah, but I don't feel that way. You may not feel that way. So maybe there's more rejoicing that needs to happen at a regular interval. Maybe instead of running to the Lord as your safe space, you've been looking to other things to give you a sense of, and those things will not give you that peace. Maybe you need to look to the Lord and turn your anxiety and anger into asking more often than you are, because if you will, you will receive that peace. And as God begins to transform you and teach you that you're totally safe, he's with you, he's taking care of you, you're good. No matter what the circumstances are, then you can start to cut people slack. Why can you be gracious? Because the Lord is gracious. And why can you be merciful? Because you're being merciful to me. And why can I be patient? Because I don't have to be in a hurry and make things happen because he is in control. And I can let go of control because he is taking good care of me. It's all about being with the king in the kingdom. And the more that is your experience as you walk and trust in him and talk to him and learn to obey him, the more the security and peace comes. That's the way it works. There's a part for me to play. I have to do some things. And oftentimes I don't have peace and I don't have security. And I hear somebody preach like this and it doesn't make sense, but it's because I'm not doing my part. And the reason why is I don't really believe it. Or it just seems too hard. But if I just believe in the gospel, like Jesus said, if I just repent and turn and actually rejoice and ask and come back to his presence, I will receive the peace and security that I want. And that's what it says. The last two parts of the verse are, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. This word shalom, it's, a, it's shalom in, in, in Hebrew. I like shalom. It just sounds cool. Shalom, right? We want to have shalom in our home, <laughs> which we never do, right? That's not true. But, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to have this sense of pervasive peace and, and, and things are good no matter what. I mean, what if you have cancer? What if somebody's dying? What if, you're, what if your oldest kid is taken off in a direction that stresses you out? What if you don't know how you're going to pay your bills? What if your marriage is on the rocks? What if, what if all the worst things you can think of, can you still have peace? I mean, really? How could that be? Well, if you're with the God of the universe and all power and authority is in his hand and he loves you and he is committed to your good, then whatever you're facing, whatever the enemy meant for evil, he turns it for good. We're just saying that. But how is it going to work? I, I don't know. All I know is he said that if I'll go to him and I'll rejoice in him and I'll call on him, he'll take care of me. And I can say to you and you can say to us that God does that. The peace comes as we trust in the one who is with us. And that's Paul in prison. Finally, security. You want security? You want this secure peace that can't be shaken? Then you need someone to stand guard over your heart and your mind. And that is Jesus Christ. He will guard your heart and mind as you trust in him. As you come to the king, you give your loyalty and your life to the king. He will guard and trust your heart. I had a lot of other things I wanted to say, but I didn't say them for whatever reason. 
But what it really boils down to is if I will spend my days walking through my day with the Lord, if I'll be with him, I will feel peace. I remember I came across this book of this missionary in Southeast Asia who was so stressed out he had like a nervous breakdown. And he was writing this book after the fact, and he realized that although he was doing all these good things for Jesus, he was never with Jesus. It was all in his own strength, all in his own energy, all in his best efforts, and it was just grinding him down to a nub. And so what he started to do was try to spend at least a little bit of every single minute. He called it the game of minutes. He tried to spend a little bit of every minute thinking about Jesus. And when I read that, I was like, what is he talking about? And at the time, I worked uh, at an ice cream store. And in the mornings, I made waffle cones. And so I was like, I'll try it. I'm game. So I'm making waffle cones, and I'm talking to Jesus. And that may sound stupid, but you know what I was? And as I did make these waffle cones, I started trying to make them better and better. And I would talk to him about it. And I, I really, I, I started talking about the things that I was stressed about. I didn't realize I was talking about those things. And I would talk more about other things. And when the, my, my employees started to show up for work, they would show up, and they were stressed out, and they were worried, and they were angry. A lot of them, they were young teenagers. And I came into those relationships feeling a sense of confidence and peace. I dealt with them gently because I was spending time with him. And I don't know how else to describe it other than that. There are some people in your life that just make you feel great. And when you walk away from those people, you glow. And if you really get to know the king, and only you can get to know the king for yourself, you will glow. And that glow is peace and security. So let, let's wrap up. Let's take a look at our next steps. There, there are so many people in our lives. Every one of us has 8 to 15 people that we're connected to that don't know the King Jesus, that are not a part of his kingdom. And the Lord has put you in their life to invite them to come into this kingdom, to proclaim the gospel to them, to tell them that there's a new king that can be trusted, who can bring life together. And they need peace and security. Next week, Pastor Thad is going to be talking about how we can have joy in the midst of incredibly hard things. And who doesn't need to hear that? Who doesn't need to know how to have joy in the midst of hard things? So I want to encourage you to come back and bring your friends. Just, it's five words. Would you like to come with me next Sunday? And God may speak to people in your life. And he may begin to move them in a direction to where they can come into his kingdom and experience the abundant life he wants to give them. Anyway, our our first next step that you can take, if you want to apply what you've heard today, if you want to take a step of action based on the knowledge you've gained today about who God is and how he works in your life, the first step is is you may not have ne- you may have never decided to follow King Jesus. And you can do that today. You simply say, King Jesus, I, I, I really do want to come into your kingdom. I really believe that you're the one who can bring my life together. I want to serve and follow you. I'm willing to give you my life. And if you're ready to do that for the first time, you can write that on the connection card, and we would love to meet with you and help you take your first steps in the kingdom of God. The second thing you can do is you can start the day off with um, some thanks and some songs. If you don't have a a song that you love to listen to that's a worship song, I would encourage you to listen to songs we're about to sing or or find a song that that really speaks to who God is and the good that he does in your life and sing every day. That's a, that's a habit of, of Christian life, is singing. I'm not, I don't have a great voice. My wife does, but I don't. But I love to sing because it gives me joy. And we sing all sorts of songs. And so maybe there's a song you need to find, or maybe you have a song. And This is really a way you can apply this message. And then say thank you. Thank God regularly for the good in your life. The gratitude you have will help you bring down the anxiety and anger you feel. Uh, number three is you can, you can name your worries and anger. What is making you angry? What is making you worried? And turn it into a request. Lord, this is what I want. This is what I'm dealing with. This is where I'm at. 
And as you talk to the Lord about it, he will give you your sense of peace. And then finally, come back next week and bring a friend with you. I hope this has encouraged you to turn to the Lord, who is the one who can give us security and peace in this life, and the one who can cure us of our anger and anxiety. Uh, Let's go ahead and pray as we continue to worship. Lord, we do thank you that you're with us here and now, right now. And Lord, we know that you love us because you have given your life so that our sins could be removed, so that the gates of the kingdom of God could be opened, so that we can come in. All of us are at different places, Lord, but we just ask that you would make your presence real to us, that you would give us the desire we need to turn anxiety and anger into asking, that you would answer our prayers, that you would give us your peace, and that you would help us to learn in the power that you, uh, to live in the power that you provide inside of your kingdom. Lord, you see into each and every one of our lives, you know what we're facing and what we're going through. Would you help us to carry these burdens and to lay them at your feet? Would you show us what we can do to really trust and obey you and to receive? How do we receive this peace, Lord? Would you show us? For those of us who sincerely want it, show us today. I pray in Jesus' name.